All right. Hello, everyone. This is Darkheart Podcast. I am back. Devin, that is. I mean to say my podcast cut off on its pilot episode. And that was eye-opening to... As an experience, it was eye-opening to say the least. It was really worth performing as a pilot, as an experience to now possess... That podcast session cut off at 59 minutes and 59 seconds, and yet I talked for an additional hour before I realized I had run out of broadcast time on my podcast app. I'm using Anchor currently. A YouTube video I have not uploaded yet has the full pilot episode, which I may release on a future date, but essentially I mean to communicate from here on out with this podcast being the inaugural episode of Dark Heart. As for the experience, just warm up really... Once I got started, I didn't need my notes so much except as something to fall back on. It's a nice structure. It's kind of a monologue of sorts, but I can bridge out if I need to. And I think with guests, that's probably the best idea. I can essentially write my own podcast as a script. Otherwise, I just put music on with no lyrics or none that I can understand without any discernible spoken words to distract. And I just get to work. No distraction. And to great effect. I mean, when you are doing something you enjoy, it ceases to feel like work. And for the past few days when I was working on the uh, a few ideas for what I wanted to base my first episode off of, uh, just the flow of ideas was a flood. And I had to kind of pick and choose and cut a lot of what I wanted just to bring up. And so I think it's just establishing the podcast is the most important part of this first episode. Because last time I think I was I was all over the place and I couldn't really get down to what I wanted to say or what I wanted to get out there, you know, in just one podcast to really say who I am, at least here on the podcast, and what it means. But first, why we are here, myself podcasting and yourself listening. If I may, let me explain the intent of my podcast and then explain what the podcast actually means and represents. Because there is some symbolism in the name. Since this first episode will be a solo podcast, I'm just going to jump right in. I'm here... Pardon, if you're here, you may take a look further at who I am, but that will come out fully with time with the guests I intend on bringing on. Otherwise, you can follow me at Instagram, Pacifica Divine. But let's get cracking now. Um, the intent of this podcast, as I've defined it in my mind, is to arrange an eclectic array of topics to be poured over by those special guests I invite on and myself. A curator, essentially, whereby I wish to present an array of unique thought to the listener through discussion of existence as we understand and attempt still to understand our world and our being in it. Other podcasts have the luxury of being celebrity podcasts with celebrity guests. I mean to just be an individual, to be authentic, and have guests on who are as they are themselves, and perhaps we will learn something in having a long-form line of communication with each other. I'm positioning myself as a voice from the wilderness, a Nietzschean scholar who at one time turned away 
to in part absolve myself of the past, but also to become who I am. A truth to live by is to become who you are. And turning away allowed me to pursue who I am, whether or not I knew fully at the time I did. I came to find myself in this way in my late 20s after having consumed enough texts, Nietzsche or otherwise, in the last years of college for me and in the personal readings and self-education I continued in the years after. Turning to other authors and sources of knowledge and differentiating modes of thought allowed me to continually advance the needs of myself. And the enlightenment I had come to suspect was a continuing journey and not a singular achievement one simply arrives at and reigns from. That's where I'd kind of gone before and then stopped. One must continually work towards one's betterment to stay enlightened and pursue still more meaning, more knowledge, and perhaps more truth besides. Truth seems to be buried in knowledge, external or one's own knowledge. An archaeology of information, of knowledge, is required for one to discern the truths buried in the world, covered by time and numerous, pardon, numerous layers of falsehood. And it seems one should perform a vivisection of oneself to discern the truth which lies within, the identity of one's self, and the discovery of who you are. This possible outcome to life for a human being is not so widely pursued or understood regularly in the world, in my mind, in my experience. And once one does understand this, and best if one comes to achieve and live in this manner, then one may return to Nietzsche texts and make of them what one can, as an individual, as the friend, not the neighbor. To fall into another so easily is a danger many live with until they find themselves. Until you find yourself, aren't you always buried in others and chasing after otherness? As for the title and how that relates to the purpose, meaning, and import to the podcast, let me say that I believe Dark Heart is myself. One who gives import value as the creator pardon, no, yeah, creator and curator of this podcast, a voice from the wilderness. I am, not unlike Zarathustra, descending from the heights, from where I looked out above the world, and so seeing the origin of my becoming, and knowing to the measure of my own fullness, have become decided on communicating the highest value to those who remain, who themselves do not know. who live within their own labyrinthian darkness. Many people who today into the future could be a fire of a great star and sun and sure bridge to the future. If I may, I love man for he is a bridge and not an end. As to dark heart, heart is the European French take on an adult male deer. As a symbol, however, I look to the east, to the Shinto tradition of Japan, where the deer is sacred and represents a design, pardon, a divine messenger. 
I believe, I, I think even during World War Two, when the people of Japan were starving to death, and were like breaking, you know, bits of rice, and living off nothing, they still wouldn't hunt deer, in their um, in the wild. That's what I I took from a uh, advanced Japanese history course on the cultural side, after we were going through World War Two in the modern era. But as a messenger of the gods, by all accounts, still, I've seen this depicted in modern media early in my life that some listeners may be familiar with. A particular anime that has some age to it now, Princess Mononoke. By the way, big spoiler alert if you have not seen it and don't mind the spoil. A spirit of the forest appears closer to the climax of this anime Deer-like in its illustration, obviously here depicted as some form of spiritual being, divine to be sure, most certainly a messenger of the gods. And what is that but something godlike itself? The... Death of this creature, the sure death of removing its head, appears to bring about a cataclysm as the whole world and nature turn on man and turns on itself, destroying the world and all of its aggregates. The death of divinity of sacred meaning seems to be represented here in a world and life-denying destruction. Chaos. The fall of order under a power of destruction unequal, that seems to be the providence of gods in most mythic stories in here, too. As natural forces visit upon the world through the world, the truth of this is transcribed into spiritual practices, religions, and powers of order imposed upon the world by man. So certain truths about death, rebirth, and divine retribution, these are all wired into religions um, as truths. You know, there's, there's a fundamental truth in our human history about these things. That's why they appear in mythic form. I uh, they These are mythic forms of truth, as I've mentioned, and discerned in the knowledge of them is the sure way to understanding the external world and from which one may use as guideposts to find one's own truth to respect, honor, and love sacred meaning, a highest value, to live in truth, is to live at one with, at one in the world. To be of nature, of the world. To be divine. There one finds the self within. To become who you are. That which is divine. If I had a highest value, it would be this, to free the people of the world. That's my innermost drive. And so man is something which must be overcome. Okay. Wish to enunciate the truth as love. To live in truth is honesty. To communicate with honesty between beings is a genuine attempt at authenticity in my mind. In this circumstance, a reciprocal sense of authenticity, whereby one comes to be most open, most honest, when met, mirror-like, with honesty in turn. To be authentic, one must be willing 
rather able to do to be able to give up the mask. And only when equal beings meet do such circumstances become possible and justly call for removal of one's mask and so expose what lies beneath. What lies within is that which most others never wish to share. It is what another human being is unable to be honest about themselves. My general reason for creating this podcast is to express myself, to create, essentially. I mean that genuinely that as a task, I'm charging myself to create something. In this case, a podcast. Formerly, for some time, extended time really, I maintained a garden. And in the garden, I created and guided the growth of my charges. I came to know a tremendous peace in working the garden. A sense of peace in order and casting my will out into the world. World of chaos and forming order upon nature. Of working with nature and being part of it. For a while, it was a very extensive succulent garden from which I presided as the creator, building the planters from raw material, design, painting, placement, and the cultivation of living things. All this was fueled by a creative force that essentially demanded an outlet. For one wired like myself, if this internal force is not discharged in some way, then something approximating stress occurs and builds up over time. Creative forces can be destructive, by nature even, but can be purely destructive as well. My next door neighbor, this lovely woman I know, still know, watched me when I was younger and she had an extended garden she maintained and I got my green thumb from her long ago as a child. Now, later I read Edward Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire and in coming upon the, what was it, kind of the tragedy of the third century? Now, there's a major issue with the empire, and Diocletian came to rule, and essentially after something like two decades, he was forced from power, but it was, I think, time enough for him to retire anyways. And from that point on, living in the Adriatic, on the coast... Maintaining a garden daily asked or given an offer really to take power again. He declined and implied in his response that to leave the garden at this point would be to enter the world with a, a kind of a, a great greed in that he otherwise had kind of a happiness where he was. So it's interesting to find someone with kind of an absolute power kind of come to a immense peace. It's an interesting kind of an interesting change to be sure. There's something about the garden, about being able to orchestrate life that is really something incredible. I spent a lot of time working in the garden. But when I got injured some time ago, nearly half a year ago now, I had to give it up. And then that gave me a great sense of frustration, needing to find something new, somewhere to put my creative power. 
And in that time in the garden, a lot of things were kind of building up. I was spending a lot of time just being able to be at peace and thus be able to work a lot of things out. So my creative power, once it was kind of damned and forced to be redirected, I was able to come upon a an entrance into social media and a podcast and months later, here I am. If I may, Dark Heart needs further unpacking. The symbolize, pardon, the symbolism involved in the name sets the podcast up to be a divine message and in this context, a form of communication born out of darkness from the deepest dark light or truth shines brightest. That is the aim of this podcast, to talk and get these things out. I mean to bring on a lot of guests to interview and confront at times, if need be, with the truth or rather discussion of it. That's simply what I wish for most, discussion, to talk. People in America, I feel, don't talk. You know, we're, we're all the same. If you're off a percentage point of DNA, you'd be a dolphin. So if we're all quite the same, we're just in different points of view, shouldn't we kind of find a way to get along even if we don't always agree? It's all personal points of view, but that's the intent here. Harsh truths create strong individuals. A divine message may be considered the truth or something close to or approximating it. I mean to confront my guests on that point, I suppose. A discussion of the reality we possess, this existence and our place in it, by visiting the draconian order, pardon, suffusing all life. And again, if I may, this harsh reality that we bear with and effectively lie over to avoid reality, this realness we exist exposed to, this seems to be the truth. One's everyday reality is the truth. It's just that almost all beings live a lie just to survive, just to be one must lie. Well, I mean to speak out of the darkness of falsehood, of untruth in the world. I anticipate some heated moments in the course of this podcast. Competing minds often clash, but that's what we want, to reckon with one another and get to it. Discern what we may of what we know. The most powerful will see it done. But to reinforce that, I mean to be a voice beyond good and evil to illuminate the world. That if this world has been devalued, by so many manifest lies cultivated throughout man's history, then I mean to, forgive me, strike down heaven and give value back to earth. Let's back up and talk about some of that. One may come to lie to live, to survive. I don't mean to say that this tactic does not have its uses, but it is apparent that certain mysteries have always existed outside the bounds of general knowledge and knowledge being power, is guarded well. Knowledge is genuine power if it bears some genuine truth somewhere in its constituent parts. In the many religions of the world, those long past or ongoing or newly minted, these bear some measure of the truth, some aggregate part that essentially sells the power of such a system. So if one considers the truth cloaked in certain mysteries, it does seem to communicate itself better. That a whole system of belief can be manufactured to communicate an essential truth. 
Many of man's most admired qualities are born out of these systems, these ancient structures tied to our culture, to communicate truth in some way. It is, it almost is impossible to divorce man from his culture in this regard. The culture wars raging across the world have resulted from established power becoming atavistic. That is essentially reverting a becoming of sorts to that of old and evil whereby the youth or the newly minted power wielded by those opposing a dominant structure, they become the good, the undermining force which overturns culture and leads the way to new futures, and in time becomes the seed of its own destruction and rebirth. The move towards nihilism is particularly disturbing for this reason as it exists in this world. It seems now a worldwide disbelief exists whereby our modern capitalist structure has created values replacing older, established value, and in an incredibly detrimental manner as well. Materialism and all the falsehood blanketing the world presently, it replaces the truth. And without the truth, even a kernel of it, you lose something in man. The body without purpose becomes ripe with death and becomes not long for this world. One devolves, and in the absence of truth, one's sense of self and the world decays a willing self-destruction for there's no higher value to lead you on lead you on from what from death into what life life is worth pursuing and yet those that retain some form of truth some faucet of the truth picked up or remembered from long ago it is the means by which some return to life and in some ways allows some a genuine rebirth for others it is returned to value to somethingness rather than a life in nothingness. The domain of those living the lie, living in falsehood, living denied the truth. So to live in a nihilistic manner, whether it is um, you know, Western nihilism that you see sprouting out of the 19th century in our own modern culture, which is so suffused with capitalist structures, and say also Eastern... you know, wills to nothingness, kind of like a destruction of the self. So it seems that knowledge is power, truth to tell in the right domain of the powerful, those that bear the truth. That can be seen in the history of human culture, the world over. And also why forms of truth exist in systems today, picked out and examined by modern scholars and doubters alike who wish to discern something between the lies, finding truth in all the labyrinthian crevices and trenches beneath the sea, finding truth below. If I may, another way, one performs a vivisection of the world of raw data and finds a rare gem in the deeps. One's going under is a fall into darkness and the sure beans by which to find the truth. One's descent into chaos lies within. Only the strong are proven within and returned mightier still for their combat with the inner darkness. For it seems that those who do battle with chaos master themselves, and making order out of their own darkness, live beyond good and evil in sync with themselves. 
creating themselves in self-mastery. To become who you are is to conquer your inner truth for yourself. That is how you can live in the world with honesty, living in truth, your own truth. And thus we all have something to share with one another. Speaking from the wilderness, from the dark, from the void. That is the purpose of Dark Heart. Pardon me. To act as a messenger, as an awakened spirit myself, who in turn works to awaken the spirit in others, to be guidepost and guide at once, sure is the truth. A destiny for others found in oneself. That is my purpose. To bring the message as its creator, as its father, mother, and child too. I am essentially the product of my own creation now as well. Coming out has done wonders for me. And I intend on explaining that elsewhere. There's already some of it up on uh, Instagram. To all others, my creation will be your own. A destiny within every individual. That which craves most to become. That's a really large issue I find at play in America. That the youth largely finds... We have so many options, right? So many choices here. But as for becoming, there's no real guidance on becoming. And that's what everyone truly wants at heart, whether they know it or not. A becoming. A becoming of themselves. It's a huge urge that many fail to understand and never achieve, even if they become aware of it. Who really becomes themselves? So, I wish to bring something forth, a love of fate, one's own destiny. This, one's destiny, is, I think, worthy of the highest love, of one's deepest and most profound love. For one's destiny is one's self. Do you know your self? I ask you. Is it ever considered in waking life with any great seriousness? In a manner conscious of the being and potential one may possess. If I may, one lies in the dark of life if one does not know oneself. But our frustrations lead us to bungle about in the shadows of one's life, ever distant from the inner wealth and greater fortune of one's being. One looks outward from oneself at the world, not knowing what lies within. That one's self lies within. If one is to descend, to go under, one may find in the deep the labyrinthian depths below one's waking mind something beyond priceless. I'm going to break up my monologue here to admit that I write in a very verbose manner and quite metaphorical at times. 
it appears to come out of myself in a type of cadence and to be genuine i try to communicate this across forgive me i try not to ever sound holier than our thou if you get my meaning to say in another way nothingness begs creation that which lies in darkness craves illumination the void is the womb of one's own creation and cradle too of all being besides and from the darkness within one not just finds the light but brings it forth to others making of oneself a creator in one's own right to be godly is to know yourself and to become a prelude to a world of universal understanding of honesty of living in truth and bearing with love all others for in all others is one's love found in turn an alternate type to oneself is always being constructed by others long before one begins to learn one may build oneself for others and this long before one may be oneself for oneself and by that i mean you essentially grow up with people teaching you guiding you parenting you telling you what to do ordering you about making you suffer not telling you right not telling you what to do telling you wrong destroying you before you even know anything about who you are it seems that just culture today is rampantly dangerous for the individual and if you happen to get into adulthood without being too damaged you're rather fortunate but i also think that sometimes when you're not damaged you're too soft for the world and you're not made for it it seems that toughness is essential to becoming and i'd argue you could make it physical but I think mental suffering is a type of stress which really builds the individual. Not that I feel you must, you must absolutely suffer. I don't advocate that to anyone. I don't wish suffering on you. I just, it tends to create those most ripe for becoming. To be a type, not to serve oneself through others, but serve oneself and oneself, pardon, oneself alone. That's the individual. The individual, the I, must become paramount to overcome cultural devolution. To avoid the last man, the slow destruction and demise of human beings over time, and the destruction of man as a potential, the self-construction of the individual for as many people as possible, where to find the most ready candidates to become an individual with man individualistic. So that's kind of what I'm really interested in the world right now. I feel like we're right on the cusp of a lot of becoming that if we had another four years of democratic rule here, it would have been a perpetuation of the system of the empire as it stood. No impetus for change, but with the Republican candidate, such a wrench got thrown into everything that the culture kind of had a huge shift. And it feels as if we've had to address so many things that we're going to have this big moment of change. I mean, it's already in the works. So 
a slow slide toward destruction, I believe has been avoided and that danger still exists, but we're on a route now where we may be able to move past a lot of our difficulties. And I do mean that from an American point of view, but that does affect the rest of the world and the human beings and individuals in it. So, this, previously, this is what I mean by being beyond good and evil and being the friend and one who can love the friend over the neighbor. To love the friend, the ones who share love, individualistic life with you. I mean, that, those people, that love, the friendship there, that makes life worth living. Now, a bit earlier, I mentioned the will being imposed on a chaotic world. That nature, and perhaps one's own nature, is brought to some order when confronted with one's own will. The tension between order and chaos exists already in the human being, and yet culture today lives largely upsetting any natural balance in order to essentially rewire the human being into a given or new system to essentially serve a purpose. To rewire the world and nature itself to a purpose is to impose the will to impose order on chaos. That is the purpose of culture, to manufacture value and purpose from human beings and thereby affect power. The mightiest wills to power demand value, essentially our value in themselves. For power on its own cannot exist without dispensing itself and of a power which discharges itself, value is created thereof. So to retain that power and not impose the will, that is to work oneself into some form of negation of identifying oneself as an obstruction towards existence, that one's life is an obstruction towards one's, pardon, towards one's existence. And yet, is this will to nothingness not so unlike nihilism? That one's negation of the self in the East is matched with European nihilism in the West, and that culture today carries with it the seeds of destruction, ever slowly building beneath a vast sea of psychic pain, all across the wide world suffering within the minds of those in darkness. Even those who brave the darkness with false light. As I've mentioned, to go within, to go under, to find truth, one must be willing to do so or some means of illumination to brave the darkness alone. An old religion with some fragment of truth to it, to guard one or some trove of knowledge, modern or ancient, to guide the way, or still, some substance and state of being to bring one to the edge of descent, to go beyond good and evil and discern the truth, that is no love of this world of life. That one has oneness with the world through oneself, through one's self alone, 
This is the fundamental truth, which brings light to all other distant valleys and lands beyond, and the sure beacon to guide one into the dark. Think now on this. I'm trying to remember some passages from the Bible now. One traveling through the valley of darkness. I think it appears in pop culture. Pulp fiction comes to mind. I think I'd like to get onto that subject, though, with a guest present on the podcast. I think I want to hash that out with other people, with other perspectives. I think that's the best way to kind of get through this last point. Now, why I bring up nihilism and kind of a Buddhistic will to nothingness is for a particular reason. Pardon, I got to whip my whistle again. Pardon me. So, if you follow my Instagram at all, again, Instagram uh, Pacifica Divine, you'll see that I do a lot of photography of the homeless I run across. And it's just wherever I go, Orange County, LA County, and it's like an epidemic it's it's huge it's incredible really growing up in Huntington Beach I saw very few homeless people there's one man that rides around on a bike that's referred to as Jesus by some of the local younger people but he's he was really the only person I ever saw it was a rarity to see a bum anyone homeless at all but now in this last decade or more, I, it's, it seems everywhere. You you just, you find them everywhere. And then you start looking at where they're really concentrated, where there's lots of business, where if you're panhandling, you're going to get some spare change. Now, where I work over in Anaheim by Harbor and Catella, which is right next to Disneyland, that's a lot of traffic and people, you know, a lot of homeless accumulate there. Also, there was a large encampment living on the riverbed, not far away. And so they, they, they'd have a place to live and make a mess and then come back and make a mess on the streets. There's a ton that we can say just on the subject of homeless people, their cost and their obstruction to society. They also seem in part a product of society functioning here in America, in California, in general. So it seems the cost of our own system is this urban decay. That the concentration of power, money, wealth, so high at the top, so, so concentrated, it really takes away the ability of many to perform in our system, perhaps, to be able to have a part in society. Once you kind of get past a certain point, it's extremely hard to pull yourself up, or so I'm told. And so people that fall into homelessness can't make it out, or who who fall down, they don't want to get up once they start being able to lean on others. And yet it does seem some are wired to succeed and to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Those people 
become successful and then you hear about them by those crowing their better values. So you hear the Republican Party as the party of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, which I I don't really argue for. If you can be at a point to use tools to pull yourself up, then yes, I'm an advocate for that. But otherwise, it does seem that people need the tools just to live. And that seems that education today, uh, home, religious, or public, it's to create workers, people who function in a system. Education doesn't teach you to live at all. That's... What a joke. So, nihilism and a will to nothingness seems to be present in those experiencing urban decay. Now, you see all different types. The young who just, they don't, they don't want to work. They don't want to be part of the system. Say, fuck it. There's others who are clearly so far gone, they're not there. There's those who, they kind of function, but you can tell they're way off the mentally impaired. And a lot are just self-destroyed on drugs or, or liquor. And then lots are physically so fallen apart, they're just always probably uncomfortable, always, always, pardon, always in pain. And so their ability to function and to be measured in any way is out the window on a continual basis. I've seen a lot of nasty feet. I've seen a lot of open wounds. I've seen a lot of uh, off, like injuries that someone must have, things that didn't set right. It really seems that there's a whole class of people we don't take care of, which is interesting in a nation that's said to be predominantly Christian. I know there's outreach. There's There must be help and organizations too. But I don't see any attempt to solve the problem, to attack these things which seem to cause people to become homeless. It seems that the way we educate people doesn't take into consideration that you can become homeless, that what you enter become upon becoming an adult society is that there's so many options towards self-destruction is that you're not made aware of that. That we're not given value to guide our lives towards truth. We're capitalist structures that we inhabit today, they don't give you value to live by. Success doesn't give you horseshit. It gives you money. Maybe some measure of respect and power, but I mean, power, respect, money. I found people with tons of it separately together. They're not happy. And someone not happy in life can feel just as bad as those people on the street. Absolutely. So it seems that this is all related, I would argue. And I want to get into that much more, just on the topic specifically of 
Urban Decay especially. I really like looking at problems from a point of view well above them. To look in it, to, to see the whole aspect of an issue and then attack it from that point to solve the whole problem. One which bothers me a lot today because I see it all the time because I use public transit to work is the homeless epidemic. I think one that's popularized a lot right now, especially in the media and by politics is the immigrant situation. I, my background in part is a degree in history from uh, Cal State in the Southland. And America is right now kind of reaping what it's sown. America has terrorized everything south of its border for the last hundred years. So that there's massive problems, violence, corruption for decades in Central America, which causes all these migrations away out of danger to seek asylum. That's because of the United States. And a lot of people just, they don't know it. They seem to deny any kind of deeper or bigger explanation. Or they they know it, but to s- describe it otherwise serves them personally. But working in concert... If, if we seek to essentially create an empire and dominate parts of the world for our own interests, it seems that long term, shouldn't we also work for the interest of our people and also these other places that they stay within our power of interest for our own interest thereover? Compounding it? So it just seems that rather than complain more about the current problem that we should address it, from a bigger kind of overhead look. I have a lot of strong views on this, and I think at present, again, it's one of those things that I want to attack with some more guests. I've had a lot of people I've reached out to say yes. I'm probably going to use a lot of coworkers, but they're all mostly college-level educated people or who've gone through enough shit in their life that they, they get things. And I think that I know them in part already is going to create a lot of vibrant discussion. And we'll see a lot of this really get worked out. We're going to explore a lot of this together. I'm really happy at how well this has turned out. I'm probably going to cut this episode short, not go to the full 59 minutes, just because I don't want to ramble on for no meaning whatsoever. If I can say anything else in summation... I'd ask you to check out my Instagram at Pacifica Divine. And also, I can, if I may describe myself in part, a touch more fully right now. My name's Devin. I'm about 30 years old. I'm a single parent. I out, I'm out as uh, gay and transgender just within the last half year. And I've got a hell of a story 
that I wish to tell about that whole deal. And I've got a vlog that I need to really pay attention to and do something about and get going. I think today's going to be one of those days. So I'm off for the next couple days. I plan to get some people over here to broadcast more episodes and to get the vlog going. But I'm really like fully committed now to getting this out, to communicating to the world and to do good by the rest of the world. I'm already doing good by myself every day. I might as well now also do well and right by all of you too. So again, check me out at Pacifica Divine on Instagram. Follow me if you can. And I'll start putting these up as a podcast uh, visually represented on YouTube. And then also I'm going to be uh, putting this out through the Anchor app shortly. So... Best wishes, Godspeed, and good health to you all.